0: Before we get to the show, did you know you can get more insights just like the ones you're listening to right here on Seeking Wisdom deliver right to your inbox? Sign up to get my weekly newsletter. It's called The One Thing at drift.com slash DC. Boom, and we're back for a never seen before, never released episode of Seeking Wisdom. Now, we're going to go back and dig in the crates all the way back to 2018 Hypergrowth Conference, where I got the privilege to interview Jimmy Chin. Now, if you don't know Jimmy Chin, Jimmy Chin is a rock climber, an adventurer, an Academy Award winning filmmaker. Now, if you haven't seen his movie for which he won the Academy Award free solo, go out today and watch that movie. It is mind blowing. So in this episode, we get to dig in the crates with Jimmy Chin, talk about living in New York, talk about what it takes from a growth mindset standpoint to create an Academy Award-winning film and how he mixes all the different things that he does in life together to create something special. And don't forget, this is a six-star only, the universe's only certified podcast. Boom. And here we go. Thank you
1: for us. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: You grew up in Wyoming?
1: No, actually, I grew up in Minnesota. Minnesota? But I've been living in Wyoming for yeah. 20 years. For a long yeah. Time. yeah, Where in Minnesota did you grow? Mankato. Okay, how little... was that? It was fine. I mean, for me, I was, like, the only...
0: Anything?
1: Yeah, yeah. Anything, anything in Mankato. Yeah. yeah, and my parents were librarians at the university there. And, you know, I was very active as a yeah. kid. Yeah, and my parents had me doing all kinds of stuff. And
0: so they pushed that or was that just...
1: No, they pushed me a lot. Yeah, they really? were like typical, <laughs> you know, yeah. stereotypical like Chinese parents yeah, who yeah. wanted their children to achieve great things. And was that um, in
0: all areas, sports and yeah, academics, both, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. and music, and music, yeah. yeah, piano lessons. No, I played the violin since I was three.
0: <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, well, wow, totally everything. All yeah, war. yeah, That's crazy. I yeah. can't imagine growing up in that in Minnesota like that. I mean, I grew up in Queens, but I grew up in a part of Queens where I was like the only other. Right, it was a totally, entirely Jewish.
1: Right, 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 right. Up.
0: And then I moved to Boston, and then I was that other again. Yeah. like, I've been the other for a long time, but Minnesota's another level.
1: Yeah, it is Uh, another level. It's, like, totally Scandinavian, Lutheran. Mm -hmm. And so it was an interesting upbringing because I was kind of bridging two worlds. Two worlds, yeah. And it was all I ever knew. It was all, all I ever was trying to do was to kind of bridge these these, these two worlds. worlds same yeah.
0: thing yeah. same exact thing so yeah. it's funny uh, that, shapes, that shapes everything yeah for you.
1: and then I ended up like a lot of my life is like bridging different worlds different worlds the yeah. whole thing
0: yeah. I, that's why I think it's interesting because I think it doesn't end right like you pull this narrative through your whole life yeah and then at some point you look back and you're like oh it's not this one
1: yeah but you also it's just something I've known mm-hmm. How to try to overcome this? Yeah, o- always kind of building bridges, kind of thing. Totally. So, how
0: did you get from Minnesota
1: to Jackson Hole? I uh, was really fell in love with climbing in college. I'd always loved skiing, and I always knew that I loved being outside. I always knew I wanted to be exploring the world. I loved adventures. I needed things that made me feel alive. And so I moved west after school and climbed and skied around the country and then eventually ended up in Jackson.
0: And how did you fall in love with Jackson
1: in why? I I fell in love with Jackson because of the mountains and because of the skiing there and kind of the culture, the mountain culture there, you know, people are very driven in that world. And I looked up to a lot of people who spent time there. I was inspired by people who were there. It seemed limitless for me in terms of kind of my development as like a all-around mountain yeah. athlete. It's crazy. And yeah. how long ago
0: was that?
1: I probably, I first visited in probably like 1995 or something. Okay. I ended up visiting quite a bit more in the late 90s. And then semi-permanent base there Mm -hmm. since 1999, but I was always on the road. It just means that I stored my stuff there, yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's like, Jackson seems inaccessible now, like, back then when you were gone, like, it was a hard seems to me, always, I'm coming from the East, so the East legs there are like, a hard place to get to, like, you gotta work to get there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have a big airport, you know, and that's why I always liked it. You know, it's certainly gotten... Much That's more good. attention mm-hmm. in the last five ten years, but it's still Wyoming, mm-hmm. you know, and there's still a real town there, and there's still real yeah. p- like community, yeah. and not just you know tourists and yeah. and visitors, but.
0: When I mention you to people who were talking about like setting this up, it's interesting to me that people will know you for one dimension but not the other. Like, yeah. They might know like, yeah, oh, yeah I saw them. I saw his movies, I love his movies, and then somehow it'll come into climbing, whatever, and uh, skiing. I'm like, you know, he's like an amazing skier and amazing climber, right? Like, but they're like, oh, I didn't know he climbed. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They know only one aspect, yeah. right?
1: I'll talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But that one dimension
1: yeah and it was it was that I do focus on single dimensions and then that brings up that idea of bridging these gaps because I see where the bridge lies and I see how you can parlay one with the other and you know cross-pollinate to create hopefully something new and different
0: so the skiing and, you know, the skiing and climbing makes sense. Like, how did, where did the filmmaking
1: come from? It came from photography first. Okay. Just kind of, like, visual creative <laughs> storytelling, visual storytelling. And I always had a kind of a sense, natural sense for compositions. and And I was always, at the heart of what I did, was inspired by what was happening mm-hmm. that I was witnessing. And so you know, that really drove a lot of my work. And then as I started really kind of solidifying my photography career, I started kind of dabbling in in filmmaking, shooting at first, but then more into the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, photography and filmmaking all have kind of different strengths Mm -hmm. in a way, and, but filmmaking, you know, certainly has been a focus for the last, yeah, 10 years.
0: And how did you, how did you first learn about storytelling? Because I've become obsessed about storytelling. I'm like, I'm originally an engineer, and so I'm, yeah. like, I'm the exact opposite of storytelling. And I, because of this world of creating companies, like now I'm like in this world of like, well, everything's storytelling. Like it's like blowing my mind. Like now I see. Yeah, it, like, now it's I, all like, about the about narrative. The, the narrative. Yeah, and, you know, it's. Oh, Joseph h- Campbell, look at this. Yeah, yeah. Like, how, it's
1: the same. it's how you differentiate, mm-hmm. and it's also the source of your inspiration, which separates, you know, what you do from what other people do, because everybody has different motivations yeah. and inspirations. So. But storytelling came along kind of organically because I was witnessing all these different expeditions or going on all these expeditions and hanging out with all these really incredible climbers and skiers and personalities. And really, the storytelling was brought to me by a lot of mentors, Mm -hmm. some great storytellers, some of the best storytellers of our kind of genre. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I took a lot from that and tried to bring it to my generation
0: You mentioned mentors, like when do you feel like you first started to have mentors or did Um, you even notice that you have mentors?
1: I mean I've had mentors throughout my life but I mean in terms of being a climber a photographer, a filmmaker it started happening probably in the late late 90s, I started meeting people, I I actually started to seek them out and then some of them happened to kind of take me on
0: (laughs) take you under the wing? Yeah they saw something in you yeah yeah Yeah. that's great did you start storytelling also with photography or was it yeah yeah Yeah.
1: it was i started to understand that it wasn't just about taking single beautiful images and that you could build a narrative even through like changing up your focal length yeah you know Mm -hmm. it's like what did you focus on that alone building like a photo essay Building like a scene, building like a narrative—all that was very helpful for filmmaking because that's the foundation of filmmaking. You know, different shots that tell a story and create a scene, and then you use scenes to, brill- you know, fill an act, and then you fill three acts with these scenes.
0: Do you have virtual mentors when it comes to filmmaking that you look at? Like you, you look at their work and
1: like. I mean, I've looked at a lot of people's work. I mean, I'm influenced by. Everybody from Yeah, the totally Greats Yeah, The greats, mm-hmm. you know, Spielberg mm-hmm. to Michael Mann yeah. to I love Michael Mann. I Yeah. Love just the Mike Nichols to, I mean, there's just so many Peter Berg's, a friend yeah. of mine. I mean Tarantino. Those I've never are the heard more...
0: someone uh, reference Matt, and I'm obsessed with just like just the light, the way he uses light. I mean, yeah, like,
1: just... I think it's probably just because I've been toying with a, a film idea, and I had I watched Heat recently, yes! oh, and it was just like, it, which I've seen before, but yeah. I mean, I saw it before I was a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and to watch that film unfold now as a filmmaker, I'm like that was really outrageous Yeah, but there's so many great yeah. great filmmakers mm-hmm. that I respect
0: funny I had watched that movie uh, a ton of times and more recently I've watched it now that I've become obsessed with the narrative and storytelling and video and a video stuff I've kind of watched it kind of like um, I don't want to say passively but like outside just like analyzing yeah, yeah. And I was just like this is incredible. Yeah. I like the, the way it's shot, the scenes, the the width of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, like, amazing to me. Yeah. So I totally keep that yeah. up. Yeah. But it's interesting how you can see whatever the work is, like, you can consume it as, you know, a viewer and then when you stop to you just analyze
1: it. I know, I know. That's one of the hard things about becoming a filmmaker yeah. is, like, suspending not just disbelief but Good. suspending your instinct to kind of examine. Yeah,
0: constantly.
1: But... You know, great films, even if you're a filmmaker, it's irresistible, they draw you in mm-hmm. and, and you're in it. Yeah. And that's the sign of a, of a great film and a great filmmaker when, when there's nothing you can do, but just get sucked into it and be in it and be be like present in the moment. And obviously that's something that I aspire to.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you create things like at this point in your life that you are ever satisfied with?
1: It's very rare, but in filmmaking, if you're given enough time, everybody says you don't ever finish a film, you abandon it. But I find that I'm only abandoning it at the 99.999999th degree, which makes me feel satisfied. I look at Meru or I look at Free Solo and I feel like they're... 99.999% to where I wanted it. There might have been... I could have cut out maybe like 30 seconds and a couple words here, but fundamentally, like structurally, and how it's built, I'm pretty happy with it. And I can't take all the credit for it. It gets to these places because we have like brilliant people working on the film. Everybody from our mixers to our our composer, Marco Beltrami, our mixer, Tommy Fleischman. I mean, he, he does all of Scorsese's films, that he's, he's won an Oscar for mixing, our audio design, you know, Marco Beltrami is just an incredible composer, our editor is brilliant, my wife is brilliant, everybody on my team that has devoted their lives to, the, you know, this film for the last three, four years, are amazing, world-class climbers, world-class cinematographers. I mean, it really takes everybody who's at the top of their game, bringing all of their game. That's how you make a film, like shine. Yeah. And then you polish, 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 until the thing is just like gleaming.
0: One of my favorite parts of Free Solo to me was actually those little uh, minutes where you were discussing shots with your crew like that and that kind of tension of whether to yeah. shoot or not to shoot yeah, or yeah. like how you would shoot it and stuff yeah. to me I don't know why but that part was like. I just love
1: that yeah yeah I'm glad you actually you're one of the first people that's really pointed that one out it wouldn't
0: be the same movie to me without those shots
1: yeah I really appreciate that I mean you know every every moment of that every breath of that film Mm -hmm. is considered and that was also you know for me that was a huge part of the process and part of the process that I enjoy sometimes part of the process that I hate Mm -hmm. but you know those are the things that kind of like I
0: think we make the film, to me, as a viewer, from the narrative sense. Like, if yeah. I were, to me, if I saw that movie and that film and you didn't have those parts in there, then it would just be, like, an act, you know, a climbing yeah. movie. Like, yeah. you know, like, obviously amazing in terms of intrigue, but it would just be more closer to that genre than yeah. it would be the film that you created. Yeah. yeah. So that's incredible. Cool. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Do you, last question, since you grew up, in the country, as I would consider growing up in New York City, now that you live in New York is it surreal to you?
1: Yeah, it's a little surreal, I mean I've lived in a lot of, and traveled in a lot of surreal Mm -hmm. places, you know everywhere from like Chad, Africa to spending a lot of time in Kathmandu, Antarctica, I mean they're all surreal, New York is its own entity Mm -hmm. and, you know, there are aspects of it that are incredible, that are only in New York, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's special. I I like that it's special, that it has something that like is intangible that no other place has, but not seeing the horizon line is really hard for me. Mm -hmm. And some of the draw of the city is also what repulses me from the city, Mm -hmm. which is that incredible energy and vibration of drive and ambition and, it's incredible. And, and you know that there are only certain things that can get done in that realm. But it can be a little bit overbearing and it can be a bit much. So, like all good things are all things. There are always two sides to it. So, I dive in and then I run away. Run away. And then I dive in yeah. and then I run away.
0: I think that's like, to me, I always think that's like the necessary part of just like, look, every superpower is also the super weakness. Yeah, like it's like yeah, yeah, same thing. yeah. It's, it's the same, the same thing. thing. And I asked that question because I grew she, up in this she, tiny she, apartment she in New York. And now that I live, you know, in other places, I'm like, they seem almost like movies to me. Because yeah. I was like, I only saw this on TV. Yeah. Like oh, like, I yeah. know. It's so, like, so weird to me. Like
1: the idea that I live like in basically like a, a, an apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The apartment's crazy. Somewhere. It's crazy. Have doorman and all, yeah. all that stuff.
0: <laughs> You're true New Yorker. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah. Let me know what you thought of this episode by texting me at 1-212-380-1036. Again, one 212 380 1036 now if you're looking for more leadership insights sign up for my weekly newsletter the one thing at driftcom slash DC every week I'll share a habit tool or mental model that's helping me reach my goals hope to see you there text me hit me up.